You're listening to Spotlight on Locum Tenens on ReachMD in partnership with LocumStory.com. Locum Tenens have come a long way since their beginning as doctors traveling across the western frontier. Fast forward to today, and these physicians still travel to see patients, but now their frontier isn't just the Wild West, it's the entire world. Welcome to Spotlight on Locum Tenens on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and joining me today is Dr. Brian Smith, an internist who is currently working as a locum tenens physician. Dr. Smith, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Shira. It's good to be here. Thanks. So to start, tell us a bit about your background and how you came to the decision to be a locum tenens physician. I've been a hospitalist. I'm a board-certified internist. I've been practicing since 1994. I've been a hospitalist for about 18 of those years. I've worked in a number of states in the U.S., most recently in Florida, let's see, Washington, Nevada, Alabama. I trained in Alabama, went to school in South Dakota, you know, did my medical school training in in South Dakota, and I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area. So that's pretty interesting. You've been all over. Yeah, I kind of have. Travel's not, not, not really something which is unfamiliar to me. How I came to New Zealand, well, one of the things I was kind of looking at was where would I be able to practice internal medicine where my credentials would essentially laterally transfer. So I was looking for a place where I could practice internal medicine and still in somewhere English speaking because my foreign language skills are a little spotty. So I was I was really looking for a place that had a public health system, you know, a kind of a socialized medical system, because I've I've really always wanted to work in that environment just to see what it's like. New Zealand has always been someplace where I've, you know, it's it's a little exotic and it's definitely different from, you know, or I imagined it would be different from practicing in, say, Europe or Canada. So I would basically convince my family to pack up and we came down here and a year and a half later, here I am. Did you have a lot of options when you were choosing your assignment? And what were the are there any other additional circumstances why you picked New Zealand as opposed to anywhere else? You mentioned socialized medicine and speaking English. Yeah, I was thinking potentially Australia. Some of the options that I had in Australia were more geared towards sort of a general practitioner type of, of scenario. I love hospital-based medicine, and so my main reason for picking this assignment was to be able to practice hospital-based medicine. Additionally, I also love teaching, and so, you know, I have a a team of residents, they call them registrars here, residents, which I can, you know, which I can, I work with, and so it's a, you know, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a great scenario here. I've got, I've got the, you know, the teaching aspect, I've got the, you know, the inpatient medical aspect. As it happens, I, I actually moved into both an administrative role as well as the clinical role that I have. I, I was down here about Three, two or three months when I when I was offered the clinical directorship, which is essentially the boy the person in charge of medicine for the the health district here. Health district is like a the New Zealand's broken up into about 17, I believe, 17 health districts, and so I'm in charge of medical services for that entire district. So both outpatient and inpatient, but that's just administratively. So anyway, it's uh, I took on a pretty huge. <laughs> administrative role as well as a clinical one. Well, being an internist to patients in another culture is not without its challenges. Would you like to share a few examples with our audience? Yeah, challenges, it's a little different with regard to actually getting things done. There's New Zealand is about, as far as its practice techniques and some of its services, 
from a practice technique standpoint, a pure hospitalist model, as I'm used to in the States, is, is relatively foreign to them. It, what they use primarily here is sort of a, a hybrid inpatient-outpatient type of arrangement, which is sort of similar to where we were about 15 years ago in the States. That has been a bit of a challenge. I've actually been working on a sort of a, an American-style hospitalist program. I've tried bringing that to my health district, and it's been reasonably successful, but it has been a challenge. It's, it's difficult to, to try and explain to uh, Kiwi that what, what actually an internist is, because the, they don't really have that type of role here. They have general practitioners, which are essentially like a family practice doctor, and then they have specialty medicine services like gastroenterology, cardiology, endocrinology, etc. But in terms of a, an internist, a person who practices internal medicine within the hospital, it's, it's somewhat different as far as their concept of what internal medicine is. So that's been a bit of a challenge. There's challenges just with living in New Zealand. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely different from the United States. There's good things there, but it's unusual. They don't know how to make pizza here. <laughs> I had the same problem in London, I understand, but I understand it's gotten better now. But yeah. Are there differences in, in resources or what's allocated that for you and your practice in New Zealand compared to the States? Yeah, yeah, there really are because it's essentially capital which drives the healthcare services in the States. You know, we, we look for things that are, you know, cost efficient and so forth. Here in New Zealand, Cost is really not the focus. It's more resource-driven. If you're working in the States, you're, you're basically working to see, you know, how you can kind of stretch your dollar. Here, there are a limited number of resources, and so therefore, and not necessarily dollars, but there's a limited number of resources. So how here it's how can we deliver the most care to the most people? And so every clinical decision is, is sort of colored by that. You have to look at, is what I'm doing going to be efficient for the majority of the people that you're servicing? So, so yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a focus difference. And there are some things that I'm used to in the, in the United States that I, I just don't have here. That's actually been one of my, my goals is to actually try and bring, them to, bring this to New Zealand using my health district as sort of a, a prototype. It's, again, it's been fairly fairly spotty with regard to success. I'm trying to introduce the use of a certain lab test called a, it's a point of care procalcitonin test, which basically helps to guide antibiotic use because we have virtually no antimicrobial resistance here yet. We're using penicillin to treat most gram-positive infections. There's very, very little, well, MRSA is almost unheard of here. Drug-resistant Klebsiella almost doesn't exist. So, I'm trying to stave off antimicrobial resistance for the next, you know, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years if I can by, by improving antimicrobial stewardship, stewardship here. So it's a little goal, but I'm, I'm trying. That's really interesting, actually. And I understand in New Zealand, they are more into uh, prove that it works in their turn, or evidence-based medicine, and there has to be a reason to, to institute a particular therapy. So some of that may be resources, but can you talk a little bit more about that? New Zealand, and I don't say this in a bad way, but New Zealand is very insular. I think it's more kind of a nationalist mindset that it doesn't really look at itself as being an offshoot of Great Britain, although it's a commonwealth here, and everybody associates Australia with New Zealand, but Australia is, in fact, geographically 
extremely far away from New Zealand, but it, it looks at itself as, as its as its own entity. And it, in some cases, the practices and techniques that are adopted in the rest of the world are not are looked at with with a bit of skepticism, unless they've been practiced or proven or adopted here in New Zealand. For instance, the research on the procalcitonin test, there's reams of, intro, of, of data that supports its use in certain clinical entities, and there's certainly a great deal of usefulness in trying to keep antimicrobial use down. But that research is looked at with skepticism because it's never been done here before. Or simple things like stool guaiac tests are just simply not used here. Why? Because they simply have never, because they've just never been used. They've never been a common practice. So even though there's data everywhere else in the world, you have to kind of reproduce that data here in New Zealand for Kiwis to, to accept it. So that's been a bit of a challenge. And that's actually one of the research that I'm doing is effectively just duplication of research that's already been done time and time again in the States, in Europe, you know, et cetera. For those just joining us, you're listening to the Spotlight on Locum Tenens on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Brian Smith about his experience traveling across the world as a locum tenens physician. We spoke earlier, Brian, about the different medical practices and healthcare systems in the United States and New Zealand, but let's switch gears a bit, because as I understand it, you're actually conducting some pretty interesting research yourself right now. I'm trying to do research to gain acceptance for the use of point-of-care procalcitonin testing in the decision to start antibiotics in lower respiratory tract infections and COPD exacerbations, and also in using it as a tool to make clinical decisions on the duration of antimicrobial therapies. I'm also working on introducing an American-style hospitalist model to New Zealand because in you know, as we've learned in the States, it's massively more efficient with regard to delivery of care than the old model that we had, and which is essentially the model that is present here in, in New Zealand for decades. So my research is actually takes kind of two different bends. I'm looking at, at both, a, you know, clinical research and also I'm working on introduction of practice techniques in order to improve allocation of resources. So when you complete this research, then will it be published in New Zealand journals or something locally? And is that the way you hope to gain acceptance or is it through hospital panels and protocols? My goal is to actually use our healthcare district as a prototype to have other healthcare districts, the larger ones, the ones in say Wellington or Christchurch or, or Auckland, to have them take a look at it and say, hey, you know, actually, we can do more with less if we use a hospitalist model as opposed to our traditional hybrid of inpatient-outpatient models. From the administrative standpoint, I'm actually more interested in sort of leading by example than I am of, of actually publishing. But, but yeah, I, I do plan on, on publishing the clinical uh, research I'm doing. And how is your work being received? With a great deal of skepticism, and it has taken me the better part of the year to bring people along with me. With the administrative model, you know, the administrative work that I've done, I've revamped the way we practice here in this hospital in very small ways, and those small ways have paid big dividends with regard to our length of stays, our, our cost per patients. So because I've shown that there's been large improvements with small changes, I have fairly good cooperation among my colleagues to come along with me and go a little further. So, so it, it, it does take some, some um, 
it's wheedling and coercing, but it, but people are, you know, people are buying into it, which is nice. Um, people in New Zealand are extremely nice. You just have to, to be completely stereotyping. There is kind of a, a general kindness to the people that I work with. And that's sort of a, a, a real boon towards doing the things that I want to do. So I'm grateful for that. So that sounds really mutually beneficial. But what about you and your family? How has working as a locum's tenant benefited your family, taking them to this far off country and cultural changes? How, how does that feel? What's happened for you? Yeah, that was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to do this at this point in my career. I wanted to expose my family to a different culture. And I've got two kids, 14 and 16 years old. And they're of an age when, you know, they would they appreciate the fact that they're in a, in a different world. We've been able to travel to Australia. We've traveled to Fiji. They've seen things that, you know, their contemporaries in the States will never have seen. I'm giving them an experience, which I'm sure is going to last for a really long time. So that's been a, a huge benefit as far as I'm concerned. My wife loves it here. It is a genuinely physically beautiful place. She's made a great number of friends here. And so this has been just a, a very good experience for all of us. So you've given us a lot of information, and it's very intriguing. Do you have any other final thoughts to share with our audience, or maybe for any other physicians out there who would, might find this an interesting career path? How would they get started, or what would you like to say to them? Well, I originally went through a staffing company, which set me up in a locum position. That turned into a permanent contract. But the locum tenants job, which I, I have for a year, prior to my contract being converted to a local contract, that is a, a great way if physicians are looking at a way of changing your perspective. I know it becomes a little grinding working in the same system all the time, and sometimes we get disillusioned and we have a tendency to start working by rote. Coming here has kind of changed my perspective on a lot of things, on, on how medicine is practiced, on, on how to relate to patients. So if anybody out there is looking to shake things up and have a bit of an adventure, this is a great way to do it. I have colleagues that have been here that are doing locum assignments in other places. I have a, a colleague that's doing a locum assignment in Bermuda, for instance. And all of us are kind of doing it because we like seeing the world from a different angle. So that would be my advice. If you have the, the opportunity to do so, you know, take this time in your career to do it and do it for a year and see how you like it. This has been a great look into locum tenens assignments on an international level, and I'd really like to thank you, Brian, for sharing this experience with us. It was just great having you on the program today. Thank you, Shira. It was really nice talking to you. You've been listening to Spotlight on Locum Tenens. To download this program or others from the series, please visit reachmd.com slash locumtenens. This series is produced in partnership with locumstory.com. Thank you for listening. A lot of physicians have questions about locum tenants, and locumstory.com is the place for them to get real, unbiased answers to those questions. Basic questions like, what is locum tenants? To more complex questions about pay ranges, taxes, various specialties, and how locum tenants works for PAs and NPs. And then there's the big question, is it right for you? Go to locumstory.com and get the answers.